0: Welcome to this week's edition of BD Extra. We're here each week bringing you the latest trends from Google and around the market. We'll also be featuring guests each week to give you a unique perspective on our new normal. This week, we're excited to have one of our BHI board members, Brandon Reidenauer, join us. As CEO of Angie Home Services, Brandon will share his views on our current situation and the impact on the home services industry. But before we get to our special guest, I do have Tim Casello here to share the latest updates on the market and trends we're seeing on Google search. So Once
1: again, non, I'm the non-special guest. You, you
0: know what? We need a, we need a special <laughs> designation for you like well, a, I will as tell opposed you, to the special guest.
1: I'm probably more excited than you are that Brandon is on our call today. He has such great insight and uh, it's such an amazing organization. I can't wait for the audience to hear from them. So
0: I know. And he sees kind of that other part of the industry that we kind of don't see, kind of that other piece. But
1: we're going to give him the normal little update on Hey, what's going on in the market? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we've been doing this ever since this uh, little uh, interruption. Look, I know I just keep being boring, 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 but uh, this is now week number nine in a row where we have. So we we are now going on two and a half months into this where we have had more search traffic every single week for almost two and a half months. So, you know, we kind of dipped down in late February, we bottomed out in late March, uh, all of April. And now all of May, we've seen week over week improvements in traffic. Uh, at this point, you know, there's 22% more people searching for new construction than there were this time last year. Uh, there's almost 15% more people uh, looking for uh, new homes than there were at the beginning of this year in January and February. And if you remember, January and February were blowout months for builders. Right,
0: builders were super ecstatic.
1: So, you know, we, we've been um, kind of pitching this for a long time saying, look, uh, you guys, it, this is not a crisis. Don't don't panic. You know, don't curl up into a ball. This is actually getting better and better. There's a big market out there. But as you know, builder sales in um, April really kind of tanked. You know, they right. were having a hard time. Mm-hmm. You know, closing homes, selling homes. There was a lot of interest, but everybody was in this transition period. I think what you've started to see now is that's changed. Builders are now selling. In fact, the latest uh, mortgage application information says that mortgage applications are basically right back to where they started at the beginning of the year. So obviously, if you're applying for a mortgage, you're in the the transaction process. So with mortgage applications kind of back to normal and demand 25% over where it was last year. This is really setting up to be potentially a profound opportunity, again, for builders to to get more market share because there are fewer and fewer used home listings in the MLS. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: tons of demand, um, and we used to get criticized, well, there's demand, but we can't get them closed. Now that you see mortgage applications there, they're also closing them. So you've got closings, you've got sales, you've got demand. There's no excuse for builders not to be looking at this as an opportunity to to sell a a, a really, a record number of homes at least over the past four or five years,
0: and we and we certainly want to have empathy. We do realize it's a little more difficult than perhaps before. You know, just in terms of connectivity with with consumers and trying to take them through that process. But it seems like most builders have worked through those. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's not really a demand, a demand challenge; it's a sales challenge,
0: right? Mm -hmm. And,
1: you know, that's why I think our special guest this week is so insightful, because if you are going to sell homes in this market, then the question is, how do you position the you know, how do you position a home to solve the problem? Obviously, something happened in the pandemic where people have said where I am isn't right. This is not working. That's why we're seeing this. I mean, you know, you would think normally with the economic kind of overshadow and crisis and unemployment and all this kind of stuff that's out there. People would kind of hunker down and say, okay, I'm going to wait. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the pandemic has unleashed something in the home buying public that says, where I am is not going to work long term. I need a different situation. And I think, you know, uh, Brandon and Home Advisor has a really unique insight to consumers as to what they really want, or more importantly, what they're really unhappy with about their existing home.
0: Right. Brandon is the CEO of Angie Home Services. Through its collection of brands, including Home Advisor and Angie's List, Angie Home Services is creating the world's largest digital marketplace for home services, connecting millions of homeowners across the globe with home service professionals. Brandon also has an impressive background in e commerce leadership roles at NutriSystem and Scholastic prior to joining Angie.
1: That means he's smart and healthy and a CEO.
0: Gosh, that's annoying, isn't, isn't that,
1: it? Yeah. He's got like this Instagram life.
0: He, he totally does. The <laughs> Facebook version of his life. Anyway, looks really good. But anyway, so really excited, Brandon, to have you here with us today. Welcome to BD Extra.
2: Thank you uh, very much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
1: How do we get your Instagram life? That's what I want to know. We we want to be yeah, smart, I, yeah, healthy. I was and... <laughs> just
2: thinking. I was just uh, I was just thinking about that. I, it doesn't uh, doesn't feel quite so glamorous. But I'll take it. Um, <laughs> sounds good.
1: Well, let's, let's start out with the fact that uh, Home Advisor and Angie's List and you know the the integrated company that, that you run is just the behemoth in the market, right? You've been out there in the market over 20 years. You you have hundreds of thousands of providers doing every possible home service that you could imagine. And you're connecting tens of millions of consumers that have needs to fix their home with these, these providers. Can, can you kind of give our audience some feel for your whole home services universe, traffic, consumers, and you know, just paint us a picture of what home Advisor and Angie's List really comprehends today, both nationally and internationally?
2: Yeah, it really, it really has gotten to be an absolutely enormous uh, marketplace in terms of scale. Just to put some some context numbers around it, we just did our 150 million uh, project request oh during the last quarter.
0: Wow! Um, over
2: the over the history of the company, uh, but what's really astounding about that is I think we hit our 100 million, you know, just like a year ago. So we're, the 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 pace of that uh, growth and that number is, is astounding. Um, in the last 12 months, we have served 16 million uh, U.S. homeowners and uh, they have submitted uh, in aggregate about 26 million uh, individual requests so each year we're serving you know a pretty big segment of the american homeowning population and and, and doing uh, facilitating a lot of projects uh, getting done um, the total sort of economic value of those projects you know, on an annual basis is is north of 10 billion dollars so there's a there's a lot of, sort of economic value flowing through the marketplace in the form of you know projects getting done and commerce happening um, one of the interesting things about this business is that, uh, obviously, where we're focused in the U.S. is just the scale and complexity of it. Uh, the home services space is, is itself enormous, um, valued at something like $500 billion uh, in activity every year. And it's incredibly complicated. There are so many different kinds of services that make up uh, the industry. Um, it's a really difficult challenge to solve. And you know, we've been at it now for uh, well over 20 years one of the ways I like to help people think about it is we effectively provide service or connect uh, people together in uh, all uh, in every market in the U.S. We do it at the zip code level. So there's over 40,000 zip codes in the U.S. And we provide uh, more than 500 different types of individual home projects. And if you think about each of these zip codes, each of these home projects as sort of a skew or a little mini uh, local market, you realize that you have to have these providers of these types of services, uh, you know, you have to effectively have twenty million SKUs to cover the entirety of the U.S. So it's this really incredible problem of scale and fragmentation and hyperlocalization um, that is a, a, a tough nut to crack. So we've been uh, we've been at it for a long time, and and obviously at this point have gotten uh, have gotten to a pretty significant scale.
1: So you know, with with that, if you if you kind of think about. The scope and the lens that you see the market, right? You've got 150 million project requests from 40,000 zip codes all across the United States. You've got $10 billion of projects, right, that you're seeing happen. You've got to have a pretty sharp view of what either consumers want in a home or at least what they're very unhappy about uh, in their current homes. So, can you tell us a little bit, uh, kind of looking at that? Is what are people most unhappy about in their current living situations, and what are kind of you think some of the most insightful or most interesting projects?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, when we look at the entire industry or we look at the entire body of work that you know, gets requested through us, you can kind of divide it into three uh, parts. Um, there's a big chunk of work that we we call essential. And it's work, it's the, it's the home project you might not want to do, but you, you have to do. Um, and that actually makes up about two thirds of all the work that gets done. Uh, we call it non-discretionary, just work. Yeah. Kind of repairs and maintenance. Yep. And, uh, unfortunately that makes up, uh, you know, that makes up a lot of what it means to be a homeowner and a lot of the work that, that actually gets transacted. And the other two parts are sort of the, the, uh, it's, you know, not the repair, not the must do work, but the, the kind of seasonal maintenance that, you know, that people tend to want to do. Uh, that means making your yard look nice in spring and, uh, you know, that, those types of projects. And then lastly, and this is, I guess more to your question, it's the projects that people choose to do because they want to improve their home. Uh, so largely home improvement. And, I, you know, what, what, the way I think about this really are a couple different ways. One, uh, especially as we think about, you know, how this might apply to new homes, certainly from an improvement standpoint, and this isn't going to be a surprise to anybody, Uh, you know, kitchens and bathrooms continue to be uh, two of the the most common projects that we get in terms of remodeling. Big area of focus for people in in terms of improving their existing home. And um, probably the, you know, the the biggest stuff for folks when they're looking to move into, uh, you know, a new or or resold home, Um, tons of demand for that. And then, uh, you know, this might be a different way of thinking about it, but, Older homes do require a lot of that work that, uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to do, but you have to do. So when I think about, you know, when I think about the work people do and, and what they really want in their homes or what they might not want, it would be, uh, in general, uh, people like uh, new when it comes to kitchens and bathrooms. And then I think people have pretty vested interest in, a, in where they can, avoiding the, uh, you know, heavy lifting and having to upkeep and maintain an older home that might require lots of that, uh, that uh, non-discretionary work that you just don't have a choice about.
1: You know, on that, it's kind of interesting because so many times um, when you're buying real estate, especially when there's, um, you know, kind of an agent involved or something like that, right? Uh, all homes are treated the same. They're, they're treated like um, interchangeable commodities. Mm-hmm. All homes are new. Right. Whether it's 50 years old, it's new to you. Right. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, within new home industry, we kind of characterize that there's used homes and there's new homes and they're very different. And you kind of touched on two things. One, the increased cost of maintenance on the older homes because of either the architecture or the materials or just the 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 stage in life. Right. That the individual systems are. Uh, And then second, the outdated architecture requiring these kind of major projects of kind of uh, pantry, you know, uh, adding a third car garage, bigger kitchens, you know, adding another bath because it was only one and a half bath home, right, when it was originally built. Have you ever looked into what the cost of all this is and kind of the some of the cost difference between new and used?
2: Well, we, we've we definitely looked at the cost of maintaining uh, older homes. And, you know, as you, as you know, it's, it's quite significant. And uh, I think the estimates are up to 8% of the home value annually. Wow. Um, which is, Probably more than most people spend, uh, uh, quite frankly, but it, it's more in the ballpark of what they should spend uh, to maintain the home and keep it up to date. Uh, that doesn't even get to, I think, the type of thing you're talking about, which is what does it take, What does it require to modernize a home uh, to, to get it to a level that meets uh, where people's expectations are today. And that's where you get into these much larger projects like home, home remodels, home improvement, um, whether it's. Having uh, a home that will uh, you know, adequately support an AC system, uh, which you know, Texas is one thing, but lots of part of the country, you know, maybe 50 years ago it wasn't. You know, central air wasn't uh, de facto included, and some of the houses aren't even uh, really, um, structured in a way that they're easy to, to put in. Uh, but of course, now expectations are such that most people do expect those kind of systems. And I don't are- think we've quantified the cost of home improvement, but those those are very expensive projects as
1: you can imagine. And are there any uh, trends with respect to things like, you know, just take kitchens as an example, or, or baths, I don't care, either one. But, you know, these are, the like you said, the classic big renovation projects. Are we seeing these projects getting more sophisticated and more expensive over time? Or, you know, wh- what's kind of the trend with those projects?
2: Yeah, they definitely, they definitely are getting more expensive. I think there's a lot more focus put into, um, you know, building out sort of uh, the idea of a chef's kitchen, if you will. And, mm-hmm. and those have trended uh, much more expensive. Um, one of the challenges, I think this is true for for both improving and remodeling kitchens, but also um, for those folks that might want to custom build a new home, uh, and really across the board, in home services. There's a massive current imbalance in the workforce uh, from a supply and demand perspective. So one of the challenges people have is actually finding you know finding a company that can take on these projects and do so in a timely manner and. Um, you know, we've we've seen you know, the time for custom builds uh, really, I guess, get extended, driven mostly by uh, labor shortages. And then the same thing with remodels. We have uh, we have generally seen that these companies are pretty backed up, and you've got to get under schedule well in advance. So, I think those, I think the difficulty in getting some of these very big projects done is um, is is, a, is top of mind for homeowners. And obviously, that's what we do as a business. is help make that process a lot easier. But the reality is, I think structurally in the U.S. economy at the moment, you know, there's, a, generally speaking, a skilled trades shortage um, in uh, in our industry.
1: It seems like a builder should, should take a little short course in this, though, in a way, right? If you've got a client and they're looking at you and they're looking at used homes, knowing what the maintenance cost of used homes in your market is, knowing what the average cost of a bath or a kitchen remodel is, mm-hmm. just talking about how hard it is to find right. people to take on mm-hmm. those projects and how long they take. It almost seems like that should be a core part of the marketing message of new. The, the promise of new is you move in and the moment you're there, it's done. You know, you, you don't have this I think burden. So. And I
2: think there's a growing, you know, I really think people, there's a growing awareness of how difficult it is, uh, you know, to, to take on these projects uh, on your own find the company to do it and then live through it. Um, and especially if you're living in a house at the same time, as uh, you know, it's, it's, it's most people know that have been through it, it can be a painful process. So certainly it's a big differentiator from my perspective, uh, being able to move into a brand new home where all these things are, uh, are, are there from the get-go. Uh, and I think, like you said earlier, quantifying the cost of lower maintenance uh, in a new home over, over the first you know, several years, at minimum, it's not, not quite a bit longer.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's kind of a missed part to a certain extent of the sales proposition. We kind of don't we kind of just ignore it. And in a way then the the listing agents of these used properties get to control the storyline.
0: Right. Well, and then we watch HGTV. Two hunky guys show up, and in half an hour, your beautiful house is remodeled and it's all new and shiny. And, and
1: that's the way it goes at Home Advisor, right? It's just thirty minutes for any any major remodel of your home. <laughs> right. Well, and
0: they're super attractive. That's right. right.
1: Make it
2: very simple.
0: Very yeah. hunky guys show up.
1: So uh, right. we've all been spending a ton of time in our homes uh, recently, and. Uh, to me, it kind of could result in this uh, love it or leave it episode, right? Of, oh my God, I have spent mm-hmm. like 24 hours a day for like eight weeks in my home. I haven't gone anywhere. You either kind of fall in love with it and endear it, but you find out that it needs some things to be fixed or, you know, you things just...
0: Things that have been on your list uh, forever. You are and now a,
1: a bigger irritant.
0: Yes. And I have an engineer husband. So of course we do them all ourselves. Excellent. Um, which is just so amusing. Excellent. Very. So, so
1: what behavior changes have you seen that have been wrought from the pandemic. Have you seen any kind of uh, shift in focus of what people are working on or project focus that's that's different now?
2: Yeah. So we are seeing what can only be described as an enormous behavioral change. And I think, I think the only question is, uh, you know, how, how sustainable is it and how long does it persist? Um, But the the behavioral change we're seeing is, uh, you know, people are, there's a few different aspects of it, but all, all interrelated. And it comes down to the fact that people are spending, way more time in their home and expect and expect to spend more time in their home, you know, for the, 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 at least the medium term, if not, if not longer. And one uh, spending more time in your home certainly means more wear and care in your home. So we're seeing, you know, the need for maintenance go up to uh, spending more time in your home. And you notice uh, a lot of the things that um, you know uh, needed to be done, but maybe uh, you could uh, turn a blind eye to before. Uh, and then the third one is spending more time in your home, having the home be more of a central hub where your entertainment is and where your life is is resulting in people saying, well, I might as well make this place nicer. <laughs> you know? I'm going to be here <laughs> a lot more and I, I might as well make it a more enjoyable and, and pleasant place to be. I'm not traveling. Uh, I'm not spending money on vacation. I am not spending money on dining, uh, but I am here. And we're just seeing that uh, that leads to a, a dramatically sort of increased interest in people wanting to improve their home kind of across the board everything from like just taking care of the maintenance to actually actually saying i want to make this place i want to make this place a lot nicer uh, place to be uh, day in and day out
1: yeah I saw an interesting report actually uh, this this week and it was saying look if you still have your job right which it's terrible that you know, 15 to 20 percent of the population, you know, has been affected in their hours or, or by being laid off. But for the 85, 80 to 85 percent that still have their job, uh, it went through an analysis that they're they're not dining out as much, uh, they're not going on vacations, uh, you know, they're not traveling.
0: You're not doing beauty treatments. Yeah, they're not doing
1: they're not doing a bunch of you know uh, other personal kind of treatment things. They're not spending uh, money on gasoline and transportation. Yeah. And, and they may have even gotten a stimulus check that they actually have kind of more financial resources. And it seems that they have focused those resources on the home, whether it's to improve your home or simply to say, well, I have enough now to go buy a new home. Yeah,
2: yeah no, that's, that's absolutely right. There are, there are uh, two things that are happening. One is an intense focus on making the home a better place to spend time. And the second is a dramatic acceleration in the use of, of online tools or digital experiences. Across the board for that second point, as we all know. And what we're seeing is a convergence of those two things. uh, Digital experiences focused on improving the home uh, have experienced, you know, pretty dramatic focus. And uh, I think the other thing you mentioned, new home sales, you know, there there are two other related trends, you know, to this. Of course, some uh, people are focused on improving the home they're in, but without a doubt, uh, people who, you know, six months ago, maybe younger, maybe millennial, that had smaller apartments. There have been over the the prior few years all this discussion about how millennials would eschew the suburban homes and and, uh, prefer uh, more uh, compact living spaces, more urban living spaces. But you are, I think, seeing that get flipped on its head pretty quickly. Uh, All of a sudden, what was once just a a landing pad that you uh, were in from time to time and you spent most of your time out and about is now uh, someplace where you're spending... Uh, an extraordinary amount of time, and people are saying this is this is not going to do. Uh,
1: your hip urban pad uh, now becomes a jail cell. It <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
2: <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I, yeah, yeah. That's uh, exactly really the right way to think about it. And you know, the extreme example of that, of course, is if you're in New York or San Francisco or some of the more uh, extremely dense uh, cities, people are have fled. Uh, but I, I think I think it's actually true more broadly in a lot of markets where. You know, it's not that they're, you know, it's not that people are cleaning the cities. You're just saying, well, this is just not big enough, or I need a little more space. And, and uh, they're, they're seeking out new accommodations within the market they're in. So,
1: you know, g- given, uh, you know, so much about what people are focused on and improving the maintenance, the repair, you know, of properties across the United States, uh, what they like, what they don't like about their homes. If you were giving a builder advice, which you are, because there's builders listening, and I'm sure they're listening mm-hmm. and going, okay, how do we turn this into something for us? W- what would you tell them to either... Offer in their homes or make sure they head in their homes uh, that would really appeal to people. They go, Man, if you have these features, right? This is exactly what people want in their home. And this will avoid them having to find that contractor, that, you know, really hard to find good contractor that's going to come oh, do the job. Or maybe
0: even just better highlight. Yeah, merchandise. merchandise right? right. Just right?
1: merchandise a better it says We already have this amazing pantry. You know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. just merchandise. What, what, what advice would you give a builder? to kind of, from a marketing perspective or an architectural design perspective in today's market?
2: That's a really interesting question. Of course, um, you know, builders are gonna know a lot about what motivates home buyers, and, and there's all the obvious stuff that we all know about, including, you know, exceptionally nice kitchens or uh, have a universal appeal. What I would suggest thinking about, uh, I'll use Tesla as an example, um, which has completely differentiated itself in the, in the, in the automobile industry Effectively by focusing on technology rather than the, the traditional elements of, of uh, you know how cars were sold, and uh, and has positioned itself as a platform, and you know that has shown to have pretty dramatic appeal to more millennials and younger. And I think there is, and, and the old you know the traditional car companies, if you will, have not been able to match and don't appear beyond the cusp of matching sort of those. Technological features or capabilities. I think there's a. I think there's an analogy here for the home industry, which is if you are buying a 50-year-old home, there are a bunch of things that that home is almost certainly never going to be able to do. And whether it be smart home technology or uh, you know just modern modern infrastructure that uh, leverages the, the latest and greatest um, you know automation or smart home features, I think that is a a really significant uh, potentially differentiating sales point um, that existing homes can't match. And I don't think in general it's that expensive if you're building a new home. Of course, I'm getting a little bit out of my skis in terms of knowing the cost of that. But I think the appeal of it is real. And I think it's hard for, it's hard for a resale, you know, a previously sold home to, to be able to compete on, on that basis. So,
1: yeah, and I That's think one you know. The, the, and then, I yeah. was going to say, I think the pandemic also has some interesting issues there because you know part of this is can you design a home to be kind of more uh, more touchless and uh, smart mm-hmm. home technology kind of plays into that, right? Where. If everybody yeah. can control the lights, the heat, the blah, 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 the lock, you know, all this kind of stuff in your home, and you can all do it from the, the privacy of your own phone, and you're not touching communal switches and communal devices, right? There's just fewer vectors for disease transfer as well.
2: Yeah, and if you ever look at the, ho- the, the cost of retrofitting, which, which, which I have uh, an existing home with these kind of technologies, it's pretty prohibitive, and most people in a home are not going to replace all the locks and, you know, replace all the lighting fixtures and, and, and all of that sort of thing. But, but starting, you know, from scratch with a new home and including those features is probably much more, uh, doable. And I think is, a, is just a real, uh, is something that would appeal, uh, has been demonstrated to appeal, um, to, uh, you know, to younger home buyers, which are quickly becoming the dominant home buying population. Um, there's one other thing I was going to say about that, which is, you know, the same population, uh, also Really is not a DIY. Uh, let me say it differently. Uh, younger home buyers tend away from DIY more than previous generations have uh, in terms of do it yourself uh, home care. So it does seem to me that there is some opportunity to, to uh, appeal on that front, whether it's just the fact that a new home requires less uh, maintenance, or whether there's something that can be included that's a little more comprehensive that says, you know, this. You don't have to deal with maintenance for the, the first ten years of homeownership. Um, people don't want to do it, and they don't want the headache. And the more you can make it a uh, a, a seamless experience, where uh, I don't have to worry about um, you know the traditional headaches of homeownership, I think I think that's an interesting area for exploration. And, and uh, I don't know that it's the a, a component of what is sold today.
1: You know, uh, kind of playing off your car example, you know, the car deal, car industry has done kind of does with kind of bumper to bumper warranties and. There's always been this question in our industry of what if you had a new home door-to-door warranty, like a door-to-door five-year warranty that says everything in your home is included under warranty in five years, even including kind of basic maintenance as a service that would come and kind of do whatever maintenance is required over that five-year period, that product would just be so differentiated in the market from a used home, right? You could move in and know for five years, you basically don't have to do anything.
2: That's exactly right. People want that, that sort of condo lifestyle but they don't want the condo anymore apparently right. and yeah, they want the space. Um, so if, but if you can give them the homeowner, the home ownership experience that's lightweight, you know, and that takes a lot of the headaches out of it. Um, certainly the used home market can't match that. As you know.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to uh, switch gears on you and ask you a couple other questions. Like, first of all, like, what are you doing to keep sane in, in your uh, two and a half month little home sojourn? Do <laughs> you have any
2: tips for us? Oh yeah. You know, it has been uh, uh, the first, I would say four to six weeks were uh, extremely hectic. We've got almost 5,000 uh, employees globally, right. and so trying to trying to get everybody uh, into a safe working position and, uh, and ensure we had continuity uh, in terms of operating the business was pretty all-consuming. But things have slowed down materially, you know, over the over the back half of this uh, of this experience. And I'll be honest, uh, I don't I don't have any great tips. I I do two things. I've got three little kids. Uh, six, 10, and 11. And when I'm not working, um, because they are not in school and they're socially isolated, um, I spend a ton of time, uh, helping make sure that they, you know, they uh, are entertained and, and have things to do and, uh, that this experience, uh, isn't, uh, isn't one that they'll, you know, look back on, uh, uh too, too terribly negatively. Um, yeah. that's, that's a pretty big job. So it became my day job, uh, and trying to, you know, cooking and clean and, and, and keep entertained, uh, the family, it's pretty big, but outside of that, I find myself, and this is not within my personality at all, um, I find myself focused on my home projects uh, because I'm <laughs> home all the time. And uh, so working on the sprinkler system and, you know, putting down grass seed and name it. Um, so I, I, I've been doing that a lot. Uh, I, I see where it's coming from because I'm experiencing it firsthand.
1: I was going to ask you, actually, that question is like, is you, are your is your family like the shoemaker's children where, you know, your house is is just a wreck because it never gets worked <laughs> on by anybody or is it absolutely perfect? It's like the, the Paragon house in the entire neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, right.
2: we're, we're somewhere in between. I, I, I would not be, I would not be terribly. Uh, I norm normally would not be somebody who spends a ton of time doing projects at home. But um, one of the things about running a service like ours is you can't really ever understand the experience of your customers unless you uh, use the service yourself and use it to get real work done. So I try to, I try to get uh, as many projects done as I can and, and use our service just so I, just so I stay close to understanding you know the good the and the bad and the areas where we can improve. So.
0: Yeah. Well, with three kids, I do worry about the ratio of adults to children in your household. I'm sure that's very challenging. Uh, Three on two is uh, a little challenging.
1: I think his dad wrestling skills are probably really getting honed right now. I mean, they're at
0: peak performance. Yeah, yeah. So that's why you escape into the yard because the kids do scatter, right, when you get to yard work. Um, So then the other question we have is, have you read a really good book um, through all of this? What's the most interesting read that you've had? You
2: know, um, one of the most fascinating things about this pandemic is and I I I've several times taken a step back and, and questioned this, is you would think that I would just be flooded with time. And um I keep taking a step back and saying, Why why don't you why am I not uh, finding myself with more time <laughs> to do more things? And the truth is I, I'm stretched very thin and I think it's the you know, work is busy, but then I, I think it's the fact that um you know the kids aren't in school and they can't really hang out with friends and so when, I, when I'm not in work, I am, you know, I am, uh, spending a, a ton of time, you know, just with the family and, um, and, uh, very, very dense family unit, you know, um, all of yes. our activities are together. That said, I, I, spend a lot of time reading. It's been more focused on, unfortunately, not books, which is uh, where I'd like to be able to, to spend some time, but I spend a lot of time reading, uh, unfortunately, about the COVID situation. Um, a lot of time focused on what the, you know, what the trajectory of city reopenings is going to be. Uh, We are trying to figure out, you know, how we're eventually going to get our offices even partially reopened. Uh, We're in, I think, seven cities and um, don't have an office open in any of them. And so I spend a lot of time figuring out that and where the best thinking is on that uh, across, uh, you know, experts and and other companies uh, like ours. Uh, Tim and I talked about this, but, spending a lot of time thinking about this question, the future of work, uh, where people are very interested in where we're work where remote work goes and whether it's a, 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 a constant component of how we operate uh, even post uh, pandemic. Um, and, uh, and then lastly, this question of change consumer behavior. And it's, I told someone, uh, like I was saying in the first few weeks of this, I've never made so many decisions, you know, sort of, at five o'clock one day, that were absolutely dead wrong uh, by the next morning. Uh, the situation just changed so quickly. Yes. It was so unpredictable. Uh, I've just never experienced anything like it. And so we've seen this enormous shift in consumer behavior. It is, um, you know, uh, uh, I think uh, one of the CEOs, one of the online services said we've essentially gotten three years of growth in the period of a month. You know, they
0: mm.
2: basically jumped forward to 2023. And uh, in terms of online adoption and, and acceleration of, of people transitioning from offline to online. So I do spend a lot of time reading articles to try to understand, you know, what's happening, where the trends are heading, and then uh, trying to think, you know, and understand, and this story gets tricky, but uh, how, how much of this sustains, how much of it uh, reverts a little bit. And so I, I do spend a lot of time reading, really, on all these various topics and You can, uh, there's a lot of material coming out on all of those. So uh, that's where uh, where I've invested the most time over the last eight weeks.
0: Great. Well, I think we are your kindred spirits in terms of this insatiable appetite for data and understanding these trends. And uh, Brandon, we just want to thank you today. I think, you know, we're all in the home building industry and well in your world, we're all talking to these same consumers and they are in this quest for new and better. And whether they get through it, Mm -hmm. um, to it through DIY or hiring someone, or they just actually bite the bullet and go buy new, uh, they're the same people. So I think we're all trying to figure out those trends. So thank you so much for being with us today. It has been very insightful and uh, entertaining to boot. And we are going to wrap up for today's edition of BD Extra, and we will talk to everybody next week. Be safe and sane.